Welcome to Scream Therapy. I'm your host, Jason Schurz. In October of 2018, I found myself in the hospital, sitting across from a psychiatrist, who was telling me that I was bipolar. I was released with a bunch of medication and laid on the couch for about a week. I had my iTunes library on shuffle, trying to shake the hornet's nest from my head. Ever since I was a kid, I've been using music for therapy and as a way to escape. Punk rock and mental health have always been connected. This podcast looks at that connection through the lens of different guests. This is Screen Therapy. Todd Kowalski, what a guy. I saw Propaganda a few years ago, and Todd came out with his bass around his shoulders, side kicked off the stage wall, did some sort of a roundhouse jump, and then ran to the front of the stage with his fist pumping. This all happened before the band actually played a song. Todd has been a positive force in the punk scene for many years, tackling difficult subject matter in his songs. Even though he writes about topics such as genocide, colonialism, and poverty, songwriting is a productive outlet for him. Todd practices playing his music every day, and every night he works on his art. If there's someone that embodies dedication, it's Todd Kowalski. He's a huge reason why Propaganda has become one of the most well-known and respected punk bands. Mental health doesn't just involve managing a mental illness. For some people, like Todd, mental health is about the power of perseverance, and sticking with the things that matter the most to you, no matter what those things are. Oh, and about rocking the fuck out. Hello, my name's Todd Kowalski. I play bass and do some singing and propaganda, and I do a lot of painting and drawing also. I use that to cope with the insane world we live in and personal issues with family and all kinds of things like such. <laughs> people say that we're in a world gone mad, and I'm wondering if that can make people mad in a sense. I mean, how do we deal with all these things going on, and, and how do we keep our composure and even sanity in the face of all that. Yeah, well, I actually thought it was mad gone world. Uh, maybe <laughs> COC screwed that me up. That is COC cover, yeah. yeah. No, just kidding. Can you say that again? <laughs> Living in a world gone mad, and I'm wondering if that's making us go mad in the sense that, you know, everything that's going on and all the chatter and things that are happening with the world in the last 20 years has changed our mental health. Oh, yeah. Okay, now I'm getting in the flow here. Yeah, I would uh, agree with you. I find it almost impossible to open up social media and see everything these days, like not even big issues, just small petty things even, you know? It sucks to open up Facebook or something and see everyone from Regina, where I was originally from, being all racist. The people I know in Winnipeg are a little different than that generally because they're not old friends, you know? They're friends I acquired as an adult, so they're not happenstance or circumstance you know yeah like more chosen friends yeah i find all that very hard and just the things going on in the world it's more uh more than governments and things what they think it's what people you know think and seeing how easy even parents and just how people think and can be swayed so easily to think such terrible things about other people and you know, refugees, Aboriginal people, the whole classic gamut. I guess these days the only difference between being a like a racist bully or whatever is you just try to hide it behind politics, whereas before people would just be 
racist to be a dink and now they're acting that way exactly the same but pretending it's politics you know like share some meme that they just really want to be racist but they just attach some little political idea to it and pretend they're not you know yeah there's been a lot of breeding of fear in the sense that there's a lot of things that people are scared of i mean i can list off a bunch of them people are afraid and they're been taught to be afraid maybe social media and the way that information is delivered these days is a way of breaking people down and affecting their mental health yeah i think so and even like the way political campaigns are run like wars wars against people even the same political party will run their campaigns as a battle against each other so it's almost like if everything is standoffish and our entire culture is standoffish and yeah, I don't know where it really leads to anyone. Like I sometimes wonder, like the only end to this crazy experiment is it has to end in complete death and destruction, you know? Maybe after a certain huge, huge amount of death, people might come to their senses. But every time you think something happens, oh, now people might come to their senses, they go completely the opposite way, you know? Yeah, you write a lot about some pretty heavy topics, uh, genocide, colonialism, bigotry, racism. I can't imagine that could be very easy. I mean, some folks are writing songs about snowboarding or sniffing flowers or whatever, and you're out there doing some really heavy stuff. How, how does that affect you, writing those kinds of topics? Well, I think it's good in the way that it keeps me thinking about those things constantly, keeps them always in mind in a way. I think it's better to feel like you're saying something and having an outlet that people can relate to and you're kind of reaching out in some kind of hope that it'll inspire someone to think differently it kind of makes it better than feeling like you're just sitting there dwelling on negativity you know yeah i read somewhere that you take a long time to write your songs months and months a perfectionist can you tell me how that affects you just writing those songs and being so particular and i would imagine rewriting and rewriting yeah, I think that's the part that music has affected me negatively is just that process. I just try and so hard. I think I really worked. <laughs> Sadly, sometimes the only answer is to work harder to get out of something. Yeah. But I think in the last year or so, like I really went hard learning how to play so many other bands songs and trying to sing better, try to play and understand music better. So I have quicker solutions to my problems. Sometimes I'd get caught in a rut of confusion. Like I'd have a tape recorder with about 500 riffs or variations of the same song, you know? It just like the confusion that causes in your head. And even still, I'll go onto my computer and I'll just press a button and I'll hear like just a better way of songs that are on the record. I'll be like, oh, why didn't I do it that way? You know, like even after the record's out. Like music, it can change every time. So it's just hard to, like now I'm just getting the clearer vision. If you're going to draw a picture, the best way to tackle it isn't to try to draw the whole eye and then add another eye, then a nose, then a, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you want to get just the most solid planes of the head and then start adding to it. I felt like Chris had a good handle on that this whole time, you know, starting really simple and then uh, adding on. But just because I'm at home riffing so much and having fun, like I tended to make stuff that was fun to play on guitar. Like it almost had to sound good just by myself at my house riffing along or something. And then trying to add really complex riffs and stuff and then try to add 
vocals and words to that is really difficult when every word every syllable was taken into account so just too much you know too much so yeah now i found like i feel like my songs are coming together way easier way less toll on my mind and probably better so that's kind of good yeah it almost seems like a bit of an ocd sort of a thing right just being super particular about where all the pieces go and like you said writing the same song a bunch of times yeah, and, you know, you want not one single second to sound like something else, you know what I mean? Or or to sound like something that you feel like someone else would have done. I'm not saying, like, I'm the most original in the world, but that's what I was going for, you know? This just has to sound unlike other things. I think it's also hard to do that. And I am also find myself not a natural musician. Like, I'm more of a natural uh, visual artist, I think. It's just pure love of music that has kept me in the game or starting the game you know none of it came natural i just had to work so hard for a while i was like i can't believe i work this hard to get so little to show for what i'm doing you know yeah we should back up a little bit actually because we've talked a lot about the bands that we were into when we were kids growing up on metal and punk obviously you've been a study of this stuff for many many years can you tell me how you kind of got into the punk scene the bands were just starting to get faster, you know, metal was starting to get stale and we were moving over to like thrash bands and like Possessed, Metallica, Exodus, all that stuff. And then heard in the hallway, some kid played me uh, his Walkman with the Dead Kennedys. Yeah, then I heard Glow. but Glow is so metal. Yeah, right after that, MDC, like I traded a couple Kiss records for uh, the first MDC. Uh, <laughs> Good exploited. deal. Yeah, exploited on stage and exploited Punk's Not Dead 12-inch, I guess. Yeah, I was so into those. And then I started getting into the accused. There didn't seem to be much difference between metal and punk to me at the time. Punk just seemed so dirty and awesome, you know? Like, it's not the same feeling as it is now, as you probably know. It almost seemed like punk was more real than metal, you know, when you'd see COC. and I love that. Yeah, the whole that. crossover scene. Yeah, and there was Beyond Possession, and I loved SNFU, and Doughboys and Hall were awesome. Yeah, kind of the whole thing. It wasn't till like, after when Green Day and that came along. It, I would say that's when, for me, the feeling of it changed forever. Maybe, in a way, a little bit died. If you notice, like, uh, how many of the heroes of the music have some kind of a mental health problem, too, you know? Like Chai Pig and even HR and whatever. And, you know, for me, when I went back and looked at some of the bands that I was into the most after I had my own mental health breakdown, I was amazed to see that a lot of those folks were dealing with a lot of the same things that I was. Yeah, exactly. You, know, yeah. you obviously were part of the Regina scene in Winnipeg later on as well. Do you remember um, folks with mental health issues being part of the scene and being accepted into it? I really have no idea. I was just playing music, uh, just going to school, coming back and forth doing my thing, listening to my Walkman. I'd walk to school both ways, which I guess mental health-wise, that was a good thing for me, you know, to walk so far every day. I'd come home for lunch. I was probably walking two or three hours every day because I didn't live anywhere close to my school. And, you know, I'd just listen to the music and really soak it in. Uh, COC Animosity, uh, Youth of Today, Wasted Youth, all that stuff. The riffs are so ingrained in me as part of that walk. 
whenever I hear Animosity, it just reminds me of being on the wintry highway, you know. I guess what there was is lots of people with drug problems around, obviously. But I mental health, I don't know if I was like even thinking about that as a kid. Fair enough. But it sounds like the music was so therapeutic to you as well. The podcast is called Scream Therapy, and I truly believe that music saved me so many times. You're right about just listening to it on the way home from school or whatever and letting it wash through you. I mean, the weird thing is is that you know a lot of the music that you're listening to is super <laughs> hardcore and, and loud and, and chaotic, but that almost seems to calm the mind. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, and I did have definitely points listening to CSC Technocracy, SNFU, and uh, the first Doughboys where... I remember walking past my garage, coming home from school, walking past all the icicles, feeling literally like if I wasn't listening to this song right now, I don't think I could go on. And I felt the same listening to SNFU better than the stick in the eye after school. And then one time, I, I don't know what happened at school, but I remember coming home. My mom was even in the kitchen. I cranked technocracy so loud. And I was so mad, you know, and I remember her just letting it go, you know, knowing like, oh, this kid, he's screwed right now, you know? What were you mad about? I can't even remember. <laughs> Something at school, you know? My first, though, even before the punk, the first things that grabbed me like that were Kiss and Dio. Kiss made me feel like, okay, this gets me for some reason. They made you feel like a million bucks instead of like some kind of a loser kid. But then Dio came along. I think it was my descent into noticing like the dark of Dio and just the introspection, you know? I really felt like, okay, now I there's something different. You know, I have a different feeling about this. And, and probably at the same time, getting older, recognizing that my dad and all his friends are drinking way, way too much. School gets different. Like, it's just the turning point. You're starting to realize teachers are bullying you. And when Dio comes along and kind of seems to understand you on a more personal, deep level, you know, I kind of really uh, connected with that. Yeah, and I'm sure there's lots of folks out there that have the same feeling about propaganda in, in your songs. I'm thinking of the song This Is Your Life, which to me is just such a tragic character in that song. Uh, maybe tell us about that one. Yeah, well, that one is <laughs> basically based on real life, just sitting there with my dad, you know, like he drank too much, wouldn't leave the basement, just purposely being racist. Everything in that song, almost not all you know just based on complete frustration of feeling with him trapped in that basement i know the psychology of him so well that it made the song easy to write you know what i mean mm -hmm. and i know that that psychology was almost my own until like when i was a kid just acting like that and watching married with children you know trying to get into that like me and my dad would watch married with children and almost act like them like for real yeah i remember one time my mom just yelled at me like i was becoming like a total asshole like my dad uh, and she just left the house for like hours just because like i made some joke that i saw on married with children yeah 
it's just kind of weird. <laughs> You're pretty close to your dad, though, right? Yeah, really close. That's why I can, uh, like, I can understand the psychology of all of that. Like, I wouldn't even argue with him. I would just point out where he's coming from, and he'd know it. That's why, like, I never get sucked into arguing with people about. Like, I remember one time we went on a tour with this band, like in the early 2000s. The guy's like, oh, propaganda, you got thin skin. I'm like, yeah, you think I got thin skin, eh? When you grow up with people like my dad, there's nothing that this nerd could say that would possibly offend me. But the other thing is, the way life is, you can see, because it's your dad, you can see through to the real them, you know? Like, you see past the bully, you see past the kind of bravado. You hope they'll come out of it. My dad was very sharing and caring person. You learn the good and the bad, and I'm happy for that. Yeah. Where do you think bigotry comes from? Uh, who knows? Small town, not feeling good about yourself, being frustrated with your life. That's why like this is your life comes about, you know? Yeah, I think all that, the way you grow up, if you can't shake it, then it slowly becomes who you are. For a long time, like we'd have arguments and like I kind of felt like he was just being like that to be a dink, you know? But I felt like he'd come out of it some point, but eventually he just kind of fried his mind and then died, you know? Mm -hmm. There's no uh, triumph. That's, I guess, just human nature to expect the best ending, right? Yeah. You grow and mature and realize what is right, and then you look back on your childhood and realize that, you know, you were making, you know, what you thought were goofy jokes, but actually hurting a lot of folks. And, and I would imagine that's the same to say with folks with mental health issues, you know, teasing those folks and just really ostracizing them. Yeah. When I was young enough, like I really, 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 really was caught in this rat race. Dad's bullying kids at home, the kids bringing it to school. I'm pretty sure every single, well, I can't say every single, but almost everybody, every dad that I knew was a drinker, alcoholic, slight bully. It played out at school big time. Like, I think if I knew a kid that had mental health problems, I'm pretty sure I would be making fun of them. But then coming home feeling really bad about it. We were caught in a severe, severe rat race of like alcoholic parents. Yeah, that's definitely an issue. And how do you break out of that to clear your mind? I've been doing Muay Thai for the last four years, I guess. And I think it was really beneficial for me in the way of uh, just understanding persistence and hard work getting you somewhere. Because like I'd see big, strong, muscly guys. You'd think, oh, this guy, it's going to be about two months and he'll, he'll be killing me, you know. But then they stop, they quit. You keep going, you keep going. The next big guy, oh, they're, oh, they're going to kill me. The big muscle guy, as soon as they get good in a few months, they're going to kill me, you know. You just keep going. And even people who would, were going like seven years, and you're just staying ahead just through pure persistence. And I started to think music has to be like this. The whole world has to be like this in terms of if you persist and try hard and are trying to learn correctly, you will succeed. And so I kept that up with uh, music and art. I just wake up, play my scales, play my songs, play everything all day. And then at night I switch to uh, drawing and all that and just go, go, go. 
like when you see people who are professionals, you always think that there's some talent or there's some uh, something special or like you see Iron Maiden or Priest, you think they just exist, but you don't realize or kiss or anything. Any like those are just things I like. Those people, they don't just exist. There's this extreme, extreme hard work that's going in every minute of their lives, you know? Yeah. Just realize that none of this is handed to you. Like, it doesn't come as you get older. It's not just going to happen unless you, like, seek it out. Like, for me, my weakness is the things bothering me were, like, my singing. It's just always bothering me that I can't do what I want. It's like, oh, well, my answer has to be to get help with this. Start working at it. Everyone always thinks there's also a fast answer, you know, like with my painting, people were kind of trying to dissuade me, like, why would you pay to go to these workshops in the States? It's not going to help. You're wasting your money and you come back, you're not much better, but they can't see what's being cultivated in your mind at that workshop. They just see you come back. Oh, they're not much better. It's a waste of money, you know, but the time goes on and the things you remember go on. The moments all build up and eventually they have to say like no this is paying off for this person it's one of the things they tell folks with depression participate right you got to get out there and do things keep a routine if you're just sitting at home on the couch you're never going to get well you're always going to be having those issues and so participating is what it's all about i think i 100 percent agree yeah with music when i was a kid i was kind of led by a few people to not believe in myself in that way and it still dogs me you know like i'm 46 play all over the world in a band make songs and you still are dogged by things people said to you when you're like six and seven i guess the hard part for probably people with mental health issues and i guess mine would be you have to find a way to believe in yourself that's the hardest part thanks for listening to the latest episode of screen therapy i thought i'd tell you a little bit more about myself I was born in Powell River, a small coastal town in British Columbia, Canada. I spent more than 20 years in the media industry, managing newspapers and writing and editing for magazines and online publications. After my mental breakdown in 2018, I had to take a break because everything seemed impossible. I needed to focus on my recovery. I did my best to take care of my mental health while dealing with the intense mood episodes of bipolar. I was trying to help other people as well through support groups and also doing some health coaching. I'm doing everything I can, and I've been getting back to the kind of work that I love. This podcast has been a big part of that. After some serious soul-searching, I decided to go back to school at the age of 47. I'm doing a Master of Fine Arts in Creative Nonfiction at the University of King's College that will allow me to work from home. In two years, I should have a book written. And surprise, it's also called Scream Therapy. And surprise again, it's about the link between punk rock and mental health. I'm excited about it, but I want to be sure that I pay close attention to my symptoms and stay as healthy as I can. One of the most important things about mental health is staying positive. It's been really hard for me to be stable. I feel like I've been getting a little bit better every day. I'm really glad that this podcast has been a big part of my recovery, and I thank you for listening. Screen Therapy is now airing on college and community radio stations. They include my hometown radio station, CGMP, out of Powell River, Radio Humber from Humber College in Toronto, Ontario, and Radio Waterloo, CKMS, from Waterloo, Ontario. If you like a certain radio station, hit them up and tell them about the podcast. You can connect with me at soundcloud.com slash screamtherapy, or you can email me directly at jasonschurz at telus.net. That's J-A-S-O-N-S-C-H-R-E-U-R-S at telus.net. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, take care and be well. Keep it